everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in to this Big Ten-centric episode of the Four String Sports Podcast. We're going to be giving our predictions for uh, how the Big Ten is going to shake out. Now, we do this every year. We're, we're all Big Ten football fans ourselves, so we give them a little bit more love and time. Now, <coughs> for anybody uh, who has already listened to our college football preview episode, um, you know who we have winning the Big Ten. You know who we have going to the Big Ten championship. I believe we all picked Michigan and Wisconsin. Um mm-hmm to represent the East and the West respectively, but we're going to go a little bit more in depth. We're going to talk about the other programs in the big 10 in the last year that's going to exist with 14 teams before we, uh, before they get ready to add the likes of USC, excuse me, USCLA, Oregon and Washington and how that's going to shake everything up. So with that being said, we're going to start over in the big 10 East. First, we're going to go over our individual standings seven through one, how we have it all shaking out, whatever the West and do the same thing. And then we'll give our end of year awards. We'll give coach of the year. We'll give player of the year. Um, and we will uh, we'll give some other guys for people to kind of look out. At. Um, so starting with number seven in the East, Mitch, why don't we have you kick us off here? Who do you have coming in last place in the Big Ten East this upcoming year? Um, I'm pretty sure they finished last uh, in last last year in the East, and that's Rutgers. Uh you know, I'm just really not impressed. Like at the beginning of the Greg Chiano era, you kind of saw like, hey, they're kind of making that improvement. They look really gritty and all that kind of stuff. But there just really hasn't been much progress uh, since then. I'm not really sold on this team. They lost a lot of talent that made them interesting. I mean, there's a couple guys on this defense like Max Melton and uh, Deion Jennings who are interesting players who are good. But I, I just feel like they're just going to be a bad team again and. I wasn't surprised if Shiano gets canned this year. Yeah, I, I, I uh, you uh, know, it, it is, it is, it is one of those things where, like, when um, the Big Ten announced the other teams that were joining, there were some articles that I read that came out that's like why having Rutgers join the Big Ten was the worst move they ever made, and a lot of it has to do with that that overall football success, you know. Um, they already weren't a great football team when they joined the Big Ten, and they've they've suffered quite a bit. So I'm going to agree with Mitch on the seventh place uh, Rutgers Scarlet Knights here. Um, they've only had one season uh, in the last eight years in which they've won five or more games, um, uh, which is absolutely insane to me. Um, uh, I think they have a relatively decent non-con schedule of uh, Temple, Virginia Tech, and uh, and Wagner. And when we get over to Northwestern, we'll talk about them. So, you know, I think four wins is the capstone overall for Rutgers. Um, but it's it, there's just not a lot recruiting-wise to look at. They're still horrifically in need of a, of a starting quarterback, like that consistency there. Um, they've gone into the transfer portal a couple of times. It hasn't worked out super well for them. Um, you know, I think Shiano is like the best coach that this team could ask for in the sense that like he actually gives a shit about Rutgers football, but it's, I don't think it's good enough for them to, to be able to start to pull this out. And unless the big 10 fully gets rid of conferences or something here in the future, I don't see a world in where Rutgers is ultimately very successful when they're guaranteed to have to play Ohio state, Michigan and Penn state every single year, you know? So yeah, I got, I got Rutgers coming in last place in the East. Yeah. Um, well, and as far as I know, they're still going to get rid of conferences next year. 
and they're just going to go from a three six three six six to a two seven seven and go up to um and like just increase the amount like what's being switched around and decrease um the decrease the like safe teams like the teams you play every year um for me i'm actually going to disagree with both of you i'm going to pick the other team that has very much disappointed over the last couple of years and that's gonna be indiana um since michael Penix jr and that team beat um penn state to open up the season um in the 2020 year they have been uh awful uh uh, disappointment and I honestly don't know if this team gets past two wins on the season um, if you look at their schedule um, they open up with Ohio State um, they then go Friday to be to play Indiana State um, which should be a win but they also have Louisville and an Akron team that's not shouldn't be slept on um, and so like they could go one and two in their non-conference and then do you think that they realistically then they they're they play everyone in the east and then their draws from the west are wisconsin illinois and purdue so i don't think they're gonna beat wisconsin i don't think they're gonna beat illinois and they might beat purdue so like at the highest they go three and nine um at their lowest they go two and ten um, maybe four and eight, maybe they can get to four wins. Whereas I think Rutgers is just a better coach team. I think Tom Allen had his moment and I think he's the first big 10 coach fired. I think we're going to see a lot of what happened in the big 10 West this last year going to happen in the East now, because a lot of those East teams, if they can't be productive or competitive in this year, I think a lot of organizations um, or institutions are going to start feeling like they're not going to be able to compete in a not like in a, in a no divisions big 10 either, especially when we're adding um, those four West coast teams. So I have Indiana at the end of mine at, at my seven. Well, it's convenient. You bring them up. I'll kick us off at number six where I have Indiana. The reason I have Indiana over Rutgers is because I think Indiana will beat Rutgers for their only conference win. And ultimately that's what decides the overall rankings. You know, it's not total wins. It's about how you do in conference. Um, so, so I, I agree with Skyler. They should, I, I, in my opinion, they should, they should beat Akron and Indiana state handedly. Um, I don't Louisville is going to be tough um, as a non-con game because um, you're first off, you're going against Jeff Brom, former Purdue head coach, who's intimately familiar with, with you and your program and everything like that. Um, but Louisville did lose a lot of talent last year. They, they are replacing a lot of guys for a first year head coach to, to walk in on. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, it, it's just, it's a brutal schedule. Uh, road trips to Illinois, Michigan, and Penn State, and then your other road trip is is to Purdue for a uh, uh, for, for a trophy game there against an in-state rival. It's it's a brutal schedule for them. But, you know, if, if there are teams who take significant steps back, if Illinois takes a huge step back, you know, remember, uh, their defense coordinator got hired as a head coach somewhere from last year. Purdue. I don't remember where. Yeah, Purdue. There you go. Uh, you know, so so Illinois' big fearsome defense lost their D coordinator. They lost a lot of talent there. You know, if Wisconsin maybe isn't as good as we thought, or if Michigan State, who had a disappointing year, is bad, 
Um, you know, it, Indiana can pull off a surprising win or two, but I, I, I like with Indiana, it's just such a basketball school that has never historically focused on football as much that it's like, unless they were bringing in the likes of Urban Meyer or somebody, I don't, I don't know how many, there's only a handful of coaches that I think could make Indiana a long-term successful football program. And unfortunately that's just becoming the norm in college football now. Um, so I, 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 I still think they have a ton of potential, but yeah, I got Indiana coming in at number six there. Uh, Skyler, uh, who do you got coming in at number six? No, Rutgers. <laughs> like it's, I mean, it's just flip-flopping them. It's just flip-flopping them. I mean, I, I think, and like I said, I think the only reason I think Rutgers, a little bit higher of the Rutgers is because of Shiano. And the success he's had there in the past, whereas like Tom Allen had one really good season. Besides that, he's kind of been middling the entire time. Um, because I know Shiano can like put a good, a good game plan together and have is willing to take chances and willing to figure things out. Whereas without Michael Penix Jr. or some kind of playmaker at quarterback, um, they're not. There, there's not ingenuity and there's not uh, a, a, tr- a will to to try to do the same thing every week and hope it works is kind of what I think of Indiana. Whereas Rutgers, I, I, I can see them trying. Like, it, this is a Rutgers team that does compete, does compete in games. They're not like always blown out. It's usually in that fourth quarter when they start to lose. Um, and I think they compete Northwestern. They're going to compete with Temple. They can beat Wagner. Virginia Tech is probably a loss. Um, but I think they could beat Indiana. I don't. I'm not as high on Iowa as some other people are. Michigan State. They could probably get to a draw. But like, I I wouldn't be surprised if after the first like going into October they're three and two. Like that that could be realistic for them. And then you know just win one more game, and you're better than I think Indiana can be. So I, I think that's realistic for them. Mitch, are you keeping the trend up? Who you got at number six? Yeah, I got Indiana at six. I think they're a very similar team to Rutgers in just terms of, like, disappointment. I can't agree with Skyler more that uh, after the Michael Penix injury, it's just been spiraling since. The only reason I have them over Rutgers is because I'm really interested in their new starting quarterback, uh, Taven Jackson, who um, coincidentally is the younger brother of Trace Jackson Davis, uh, the basketball star. Um, He's a yeah, he's a transfer in from Tennessee, I believe. So he's a very talented guy, uh, probably the most talented since they had Michael Penix Jr. before the injury. So I just feel like there's a little bit more hope with him at quarterback than uh, Gavin Winston at Rutgers. So that's why I have him at uh, six over Rutgers. All righty. Uh, Skyler, why don't you kick us off? Coming in at number five in the Big Ten East, you have Michigan State. Um I think that in terms of Michigan State, um, they kind of jumped the gun there um, in terms of extending their head coach um, and, and in terms of the, some of the things that they've been doing. Um, Michigan State uh, also has kind of not the easiest schedule in the world. Um, their non-cons, okay. Central Michigan, Richmond, they should, those should be wins, but you're having to play – Number ten, Washington. It's going to be rough. Um, pulling Iowa, Nebraska, and Minnesota from the West. Um, those aren't guaranteed wins. 
Um, and then, you know, having to play, you, you do get both Michigan and Penn State at home, which is nice for you. Um, but this isn't a team that I'm thinking is going to be super successful already. There's always been like a chip on the shoulder, the shoulder of this Michigan State team, and, and it makes them almost undisciplined. Um, which is really surprising for a Mel Tucker team because, you know, he was at Alabama. Like, he was their D coordinator. He made those teams disciplined. But every time I've watched one of the teams he's coached win, he seemed to win more from luck than just kind of being the more physical, like, than, like, the teams that are even with him. They seem to win more on luck or the other team making a mistake than them actually winning the game. Like, I think about both times they played Nebraska. Nebraska, like, when Nebraska went to Colorado, Nebraska – screwed that game up um, when they played in Michigan State. If that punt goes the other way, Michigan State loses that game. Um, they Their offense was stalled against a horrible, uh, not a horrible, but like not a great Nebraska team. Um, we think about like how they, Michigan lost the game when they beat Michigan during that 10 and what, 10 and two season that they had, um, 11 and two season that they had. Um, and even in that season, Ohio State completely and totally outclassed them in terms of of what they were able to bring. And so they're, they're, they seem to rely more on luck and just letting the other team beat themselves, where I think there's becoming less and less of those kinds of teams in the Big Ten. Less and less teams are going to be beating themselves. And also the fact that they do get Nebraska late in the season, I think helps Nebraska more because a lot of those kinks are going to be out of the way. Um, so... That's part of it. I, I, I just I don't trust Mel Tucker as a coach. I don't like how he builds his rosters. I don't like how he builds culture for that team. Um, but I think that they're still probably going to be right around like a five and seven, six and six team. I think that it's just like there's the the middle, like the lower part of the East is really solidified and the middle part of the East is really like middle part of the East is really solidified. But I think Michigan State is still not close to to being consistent for me to think they're going to be anything better than fifth in the league. Sure. Mitch, number five for you, you've got. I totally agree with Skyler. I got Michigan State at number five. Um, I think they really got hurt this offseason, you know, with their starting quarterback and their lead wide receiver transferring out of the program. Now they're going to have to rely on Noah Kim, who hasn't played a whole lot, so we'll see what goes there. Um, and with uh, Keon Coleman going to Florida State, I really don't see another weapon that they have waiting in line. Um, and when you look at the defense, sure, they've got some nice names. You know, Chris Bogo, Jacoby Woodman, who's been a great player for them, Cal Halliday. But I'm still not sold on the secondary. I feel like Mel Tucker really hasn't done enough yet to really solidify their secondary, which has been an Achilles heel for them, even when they had their uh, great season. So I think they're going to finish fifth, and it's just going to be more of the same than uh, that we've seen the past couple of years with Mel Tucker. Uh, yeah, three for three here, gents. I've also got Michigan State here. Um, you know, on the offensive side of the ball, your starting quarterback for the last couple of seasons transferred down to Auburn, I believe, um, mm-hmm. where he's the starter now. Your yep. number one wide receiver just went off to the NFL. Um, I, I don't think you have a supremely fantastic offensive line, and I agree with Mitch in his assessment of the secondary there. Now, I'm excited to see uh, another year of Jalen Berger there at Michigan State. I, I, he had a – overall last year, he had a, he had a good year. Uh, 148 carries, 683 yards, just over four and a half yards per carry and six rushing touchdowns. Not, not absolutely terrible for the former Wisconsin Badger. 
I'd like to see him get more snaps and get more um, opportunities. But the other guy that I am kind of excited to watch for Michigan State is the Colorado transfer on defense on the defense side of the ball, Jalen Sami. Um, he's a six foot seven, three hundred and thirty pound defensive lineman. Um, you know, who's played four years at Colorado. There, it doesn't have overwhelming or mind blowing stats. I think he's. I, I think he can work towards being a very effective like nose tackle type um, who can really stuff up the inside. Um, but when, when it all just sort of breaks down and ultimately my choice comes down to, to Michigan state or Maryland, I'm a lot more interested and excited by what a team like Maryland is bringing, um, than I am Michigan state. And, and the thing is, is like Michigan state doesn't have a terrible schedule this year. You get Michigan and Penn state at home. You're at Ohio state. You're at Minnesota. Washington's going to be a tough non-con, but like, you know, really you they, they do not have a terrible schedule, but with Mel Tucker's, I think almost overcompensation through the transfer market, it's really hard to get excited about new guys that Michigan state is coming, is bringing in um, because there's, there's no concept of what the turnover is going to be. You know, like there's no, I don't think Michigan state has, building blocks in place to all in all be a successful team in the long term. And I think that, I think it was great the first year when the transfer portal was, um, how do I want to say this? Maybe like more balanced than it is now with the introduction of things like NIL money. Um, but I, I don't think Michigan state brought in a great amount of talent to their recruiting class. I don't think they did it through the transfer portal and with how much production they lost, especially on the offensive side of the ball last year. Yeah, I, I, it's going to be hard for me to see Michigan State winning more than five, you know, games. I think maybe they can get to six um, if they end up beating Indiana. If they don't, if they beat Maryland, um, when when two out of three of their non-cons, uh, they'll need they'll still need a little bit of help to get there. But I, I I think six and six is definitely possible. But that's really where I put like a capstone on on Michigan State all in all. Um, so moving on to number four, I hinted at him. Um, I have Maryland. Um, so first off, when we talk about the non-con games, I think relatively easy. Towson, Char uh, Charlotte, and Virginia, um, they should be 3-0. and I wouldn't be surprised if, if Maryland starts the year on 5-0 and or, or close to it. Um, you get the benefit of playing Northwestern and Rutgers as well. Um, so, yeah, five, five wins kind of right off the bat, including two in conference. And then when I look at all of their other games between Illinois, Indiana, and Nebraska – can you win one or two of those games? Yeah, I, I think absolutely they can. Um, I think this is a team that can be competitive. I'm not as high on Penn State this year as I was previously, so I think that game can be quite a bit more competitive, and they get Penn State at home this year. Um, but it's it's all going to come down to, you know, a Mike Loxley offense, which I don't think has been as exceptionally exciting at Maryland as it was when he was at Alabama. And it comes down to to Talia and and his play. You know, I I watched Maryland play a terrible offensive game last year against a bad Wisconsin team, um, and there needs to be more production at the halfback position. And I and I think on the defensive side of the ball, especially through through the pass rush, they have to develop. Uh, they have to work on developing pass rushers. They've they've been, in my opinion, pretty piss poor at generating pressure these last couple of years. But I I think all in all. Um, with a with a couple of of 
maybe key 50-50 head-to-head wins. Um, I, I think Maryland can get to six or seven wins on the year and, and finish. Uh, Jesus, what position? What rank are we at? Fourth, fourth yeah. in the uh, uh, in the in the East. There, uh, Skyler. What about you? Who you got coming at number four? Uh, I agree, Maryland. Um, I think that for Locksley, this is probably <laughs> until until the divisions are gone. Um, this is as high as Maryland's going to get right now um due to talent and due to kind of where they're at you could make the case that they have the best quarterback in the east right now until the um at least from what we've seen do i mean because jj mccarthy maybe maybe um i think that i think you can make the case for it i think jj mccarthy is still a good quarterback um like maybe like 1a and 1b like in all seriousness, um, because JJ McCarthy has a lot more weapons on his side. Like he's got Blake Corum and who's the other running back for Michigan? Donovan Edwards. Donovan Edwards. Donovan Edwards, um, which really, really help a quarterback, which I don't know. Can we name? And they just what? Um, another like third round running back went to Tennessee like a year or two ago. Oh, Hassan Haskins. Hassan Haskins, yeah. So, like, we can name at least three quarter running backs from Michigan that are going to be pros or are pros in the last two or three years, um, which help in taking pressure. They also have had multiple first-round picks off of that offensive line, um, which for Maryland, like, name the last – like, they don't have that same amount until Leah Tungle-Viola is – producing at a similar clip. Um, is that something that needs to be taken into consideration? I think that the defense has gotten better over the years. I think they're making less dumb mistakes. Um, but when you have to play Penn State, Ohio State, and Michigan every year, it's going to be rough. I do think that they're better than the three teams behind them, but I can't in good conscience put them as, as see them being better than the three teams ahead of them. They might beat Penn State, Ohio State, and Michigan, but they're not going to do enough to be able to beat all three of those teams and make a play. Um, so, yeah, Maryland at four. Maryland at four. Mitch, how about you? Are we going yeah, three for I three? Got, yeah, we're going three for three. Uh, I got Maryland four as well. Uh, Talia Tagalabaiola. Uh, I kind of agree with Skyler. I think he's definitely up there. I feel like he's a step or two away from overtaking J.J. McCarthy as the number one guy in the East, but I feel like he's a very underrated guy, probably because he plays at Maryland. He's been crushing it there, I think at least. Um, I'm really excited to see what the offense is going to look like now that they went out of the transfer portal and got him the set of weapons. You know, getting guys like Tyrese Chambers and Caden Prather from smaller schools who were just absolute studs. So getting to play with a quarterback like uh, Talia, I think is could see an improvement in the offense. And I feel like Mike Loxley overall has always had a you know a solid defense not like top 10 top 15 or anything like that but I feel like it's been you know above average all righty uh Skyler you'll kick us off here coming in at number three you have I really really messed around with this one um but no and no good faith um after a lot of thought could I put Penn State above Ohio State. So Penn State's at three. Um, I think that they have the potential to be better than Ohio State, but because because of 
how talented this roster is, but because they do have Drew Aller starting at quarterback, I can't. I I quarterbacks at Penn State between you know uh I'm trying to think of the one that was like Hackenberg, um. Trace McSorley. Trace McSorley. That was the other one that I was thinking. Like, mm-hmm. like they all fit like a mold, and they're all like relatively athletic enough. Like, I think Will Love is probably the most athletic quarterback that has played a snap for Penn State over the last couple of years. Trace McSorley probably close second there, um, but they all fit a very similar mode of a kind of what they're playing at. Drew Aller has been talked about being the most talented of all of them. Um, but until I can see how he how he can play um, in these environments that like that Penn State is going to be playing in the the having to play against Ohio State and having to play against Michigan, who both are returning a lot of really really good players on both sides of the ball, um, because you go to Ohio State, like you have to go to Michigan State, you have to go. Even to Illinois is not like a great match for them. So like that first game against Illinois is going to be something where I'm watching because yeah, you get West Virginia at home, you get played Delaware at home, but that noon kickoff on Fox against Illinois is going to be a match. I'm going to be watching to see how Drew Aller plays against a hostile crowd. That at that point Illinois should be two and zero. Well, and they tied last they, year, didn't they? Illinois and Penn State. They, they almost did. I think Penn State – no, I think Illinois won that game. Did they? Okay. So, no, Penn State didn't have a tie. I remember that. Um, and, like, you know, October 21 looms large with at Ohio State. So, like, if if he can play well under that pressure, I think that Penn State can over unseat Ohio State. Like, if there's a year for Penn State to make the playoff, this is probably that year from just – you know, everyone else on the roster. King is probably the best defensive back in college football right now. Um, you have an underrated two um, back um, system that they can use that, you know, can take some pressure off of the young quarterback. But like I view them in Ohio State is very similar in what they're doing um, in terms of like new young quarterback, with a lot of good weapons around him. But how do they how do they perform? And I have a little bit more faith in Ohio State because I've seen them do it time and time and time again versus Penn State where their freshman quarterbacks have played great, but I don't know if they played wonderful. I still think Penn State can walk out of the season 10 and two with their losses to Ohio State and Michigan um, because their non-con is really easy. West Virginia, Delaware, UMass. UMass is the worst team in college football. Delaware, the tickets are going for 28 FCS. bucks. <laughs> yeah, it's FCS. <laughs> like, um, so like that'll be interesting to kind of see how that all plays out. All right, Mitch, coming in at number three, you've got. Um, I'll be the I'll do the thing that Skyler was too afraid to do. I'll put Ohio State at number three. Um, I I have some concerns about this team starting at the quarterback position. It's I thought that Kyle McCord was going to run away with it, especially with him being the high school quarterback of Marvin Harrison Jr. You would think they already have that connection, you know, that Joe Burrow Jamar Chase kind of connection. You think you'd run away with it, but. You know, we've heard that there's no clear starter yet and it might go into the season. That's kind of worrisome for me um, with the uncertainty there at the quarterback position. Um, obviously, they're going to have one of the best uh, skill position groups in, uh, 
in the country. You know, Marvin Harrison Jr., Julian Fleming, Emike Ubuka, and Cade Stover, who's a really solid tight end. Um, but the offensive line had lost a lot of talent, and there's a lot of young guys coming in. Um, so I feel like that's going to take some time to, you know, mesh together. And the defense, you know, there's some there's some big name guys on here, but I feel like there's no there's no star defender that we're kind of used to seeing out of these Ohio State defenses. There's no Bosa brother. There's no Chase Young, et cetera. There's a lot of guys who have a lot of potential, you know, like uh, Jack Sawyer, uh, JT Tumalau. Uh, but I feel like they still need to take that next step forward to really boost this team up. Um, and I feel like this might be one of the weaker secondaries that Ohio State has had. Um, you know, outside of a guy like Denzel Berg, I'm not really in love with their secondary. Um, and have we seen the past couple of years that, you know, Ryan Day's kind of been hitting a brick wall when it comes to going against the Michigan every year. And so I'm going to put them at number three for this upcoming season. You got them coming at number three. Oh, gentlemen, who do I agree with here? I am going to agree with Skyler. I'm going to take Penn State here. And blood is thicker than water. Blood is thicker than water. Um, but <laughs> so there's a lot to like about Penn State. Um, starting with their schedule, I I, I think like it's it's uh, it's almost like a, a scary easy schedule in my opinion, especially those non-cons. West Virginia, it, it, I just don't think is going to be very good. All in all, Delaware, UMass, absolutely. But yeah, road games at Illinois, at Maryland, at Michigan State, at Ohio State. You've only really got one real tough road game. Um, you know, I think I think a point here to make is that James Franklin, to my knowledge, has never beaten Ohio State at Ohio State. Um, he's taken care of business, I think, one or two times in Penn State. But I don't believe he's beaten them at Ohio State, even when he had the likes of like Trace McSorley and Saquon Barkley and stuff. Um uh, with Penn State, yeah, defensively, I, I think that there's a lot to like. You know, you are looking to replace Joey Porter Jr., but especially on the offensive side of the ball, um, I, I think that you're all in all fairly okay. And it starts with Nick Singleton, 1,000-yard back last year with with uh, 12 touchdowns. Um, but you do also have um, your backup halfback, Catron Allen, who had 10 touchdowns last year to go with almost over 850 rushing yards himself. Receiving-wise, you know, you lost your top two guys, but you are bringing back um, Keandre Lambert-Smith and, and namely, that offensive line. I mean, their tackle, um, uh, Olu Fashanu, may be the number one overall pick in the draft next year. Like, if if it's a, if it's if the number one overall pick in the draft goes to a team that does not need a quarterback, he's one of the best tackle prospects that, come, that has come out of football um, the last couple of years. And if he had decided to go into the draft last year, I think he would have been a top 15 pick. Um, but he, oh, yeah. he, he might've been he, a top tackle taken in the draft. He very well might've been, but he chose to come back. Um, I, I, you know, I worry about LR and the quarterback position, but I, I've made some bold predictions about Penn state in the past and have almost every single time had to eat crow. Um, uh, and I'd like to remind the viewers that Brady usually is picking Penn state to be worse than they actually are. Almost always. Yes. Um, but when it comes down to it, I think getting Ohio State on the road and and then Michigan just in general, I think those two losses are what really tripped them up. Um, I, I would not be surprised if, especially in the early part of their schedule, Penn State does have a little bit of a trip up. 
um, in in uh, conference games there. Um, you know, you kick off your conference schedule against an Illinois team that is replacing a lot of talent, but who beat you last year, if I'm not mistaken. And then you're following it up against a ranked Iowa team the week after that. Um, I would not be surprised if if the Iowa defense gives Drew Allar a really rough time um, or if Illinois is able to, to run the ball right down Penn State's throat there um, because they think they are a little bit weak on, on the interior defensive line portion. But all in all, I mean, I, I still think Penn State's probably going to finish the year 9-3, and 10-2 or so um, right around that mark and, and should walk into the bowl season, you know, a top 12 ranked team in college football. Um, a large part of it is that really easy schedule. But I think that easy schedule overall hurts them because if Penn State loses any game this year, there's no chance Penn State is um, playing for a college football playoff game. I, I don't think their strength of schedule reflects um, uh, a strong enough – like I, I don't think their strength of schedule reflects strong enough that unless they go undefeated and win the Big Ten, I don't think Penn State has a shot at the CFP all, uh, overall. Um, so – we will uh, we'll move on to uh, to number number two. Oh, sorry, here. number two. Yes, right. sorry to number two. Um, I forgot the order we're going in. I'll just go first. Um, it's it's Ohio State for me. Um, mm-hmm. You know when it when it comes down to uh, the game against Notre Dame is going to be a tough non-con. There, there's no doubt about that. I like though. I really like that they kicked the season off at Indiana. Um, I think that it's an easy enough team for Ohio State to pull uh, to pull a dominant win off of. And yeah, Mitch named the wide receivers that are coming back, but I, you know, this team is also bringing back Trayvon Henderson, um, a really, really fantastic halfback for them. Um, Notre Dame is going to be a tough one at Notre Dame. There's no doubt about that. But if they take care of business and then they take care of business against Maryland the week after that, it, it should be easy enough for them. Now, I can see where Ohio State would really fall apart here. You know, that stretch of of Penn State at home and then turning around to Wisconsin, if this is a, an Ohio State team that has in fact taken a step back, um that's that's where their schedule is going to is going to fall apart. Um are those two games. And if they lose one or both of those games, even if they go undefeated the rest of the year and Michigan is a toss-up game, it's going to be tough for Ohio state to make a CFP uh, push there. Um, I don't think they've done enough to beat Michigan in general. Um, I think part of that is just how young Michigan was last year. And the fact that so many of those guys are returning. Um, And on the defensive side of the ball, I I will kind of push back on what Mitch said, because I think a lot of the guys that he did name um, JT to him, to Denzel Ward, but also defensive tackle, Michael Hall jr. I, I think all of these guys are are solid enough defensive pieces, and I wouldn't be surprised if all those guys end up being first round draft picks next year. But as a whole, the Ohio State unit, I don't think they've done enough to address their problems with rushing defense, which is where we've seen them just get annihilated by Michigan the last couple of years. And I think that the secondary is starting to turn into a weak point for Ohio State. Um, I think that when I look at their recruiting classes in the secondary. When I look at their talent in the secondary, there's there's more than just Michigan in the Big Ten that I could point to and say they have a better secondary. And that's not that has not been the case with Ohio State. Now, here's what I will say. Ryan Day hasn't had as much trouble with 
um, losing like a random Big Ten West game as Urban Meyer did. Like, you're far less likely for Ryan Day to lose to, like, Purdue or to Illinois or to Minnesota than I think you were with Urban Meyer. And that, I think, pushes – I think that that helps Ohio State all in all. But it's not the easiest schedule for them. This is maybe the best Wisconsin team that they've played since they were taking them on in the Big Ten championship games. Um, and a tough Penn State team where if they can keep the quarterback up and healthy and if they can get a push on the running game – it's going to be tough for, for Ohio State to get main, major stops. But I think all in all, I, I, I'm going to put a lot of faith into Ryan Day. You know, he's he's a coach who's gotten his team to the college football playoff. He's He's been a very good coach overall. Really the biggest knock that we have against Ryan Day is, his, is the fact that he's lost to Michigan twice, but that's after beating Michigan, what, the first three times he played them? Um, so I, I'm going to give him the head coach for three years. He's only been. I thought he's been the head coach. I thought this is like his fifth season as head coach. No, I thought Urban. Urban uh, yeah, I guess. Yeah, because Urban Meyer left right before COVID. Yeah, so right before COVID. Yeah. Um. Wow, I thought he was there longer, but he was there when Urban Meyer was dominating Michigan. Yeah. So, yeah. um, so it's not like he's some fresh face to this rivalry, uh, in general. Um, I do agree with Mitch. I think there's some concerns at the quarterback position, but, you know. Unfortunately, Ohio State is Ohio State. It's hard for me to pick against them. Uh, Skyler, coming in at number two for yourself, who you got? I agree with Brady, um, Ohio State. Um, I will say having to go to Notre Dame, to Penn State, and to Michigan is really rough um, this season. Um, I would, I mean, being the third person to talk about Ohio State is kind of rough. I, I do agree with Brady's. Um, I do agree with Brady's assessment that Ryan Day is not a bad head coach. But I think it goes back to the kind of similar argument that we made with John Harbaugh. John Harbaugh was not a bad head coach. He just couldn't beat Michigan. He couldn't beat Ohio State. And so now it's now it's okay, Ryan Day's not a bad head coach, but he just can't beat Michigan. Um and it's we're seeing a slow drop off in talent. Um, and, and being able to recruit some of those really good teams that Urban Meyer was able to do. Michigan has stepped up their recruiting game um, with teams like USC and UCLA, now even Washington and Oregon joining the Big Ten. I think it's going to really hurt what they're able to recruit in Ohio and in that Great Lakes area. Penn State has picked up recruiting, and so that being able to replenish all the talent as readily as they had before isn't there. And so they're going to have to start relying more on developing, which is something that was, I think, an underrated part of urban meyer that he could do and his staff was developing talent as well as recruiting key talent um and so can ryan day do that he also has a new offensive play caller um the wide receivers coach has moved up to oc is or not he's not gonna be calling plays but he is gonna be in charge of that offense now um and that guy has a lot of baggage on top of him as well as you know being one of the better assistant coaches that we've seen in the past in terms of allowing like he's produced top now top notch wide receiver talent and will most likely have another first round pick Marvin Harrison Jr. Um I agree with both of what I I kind of land in the middle between what Brady and Mitch said on time in terms of defense. I agree that the secondary is not the best in the Big Ten, which is something to be said. It's not the deepest in the Big Ten. It's not the most it's not it doesn't hasn't played the most snaps in the Big Ten. And for a lot of the teams that they're going to be facing, Notre Dame, Penn State, 
Michigan, they all have talented wide receivers or pass catching options um, that they're going to have to play against. Um, and so can, for me, the question is, can, and I also agree with Mitch and the kind of the concern that there's still a quarterback battle going on when we all thought that there was a clear front runner having been, you know, the high school quarterback of Marvin Harrison Jr. Like that chemistry should have been there. And the fact that Ryan Day doesn't see someone being a clear starter right now is slightly concerning, especially when, okay, are they going to have a clear starter by Notre Dame? Because if they don't, that's concerning against a Marcus Freeman defense. And if they can't beat Notre Dame, then they sure as hell can't beat Penn State and Michigan. Um, I, I, I just don't see it. And so it's going to be interesting. I, so it, like if they're losing to teams, it's going to be teams in the East or it's going to be Notre Dame. And so I can see this Ohio State team hitting the end of the season, you know, nine and three, maybe 10 and two. And that game against Wisconsin is no joke either at Camp Randall because I've been to Camp Randall. I've seen what it's like as a hostile crowd in a, in a top 10 matchup. And that is something unlike what has been seen in college football. And if Wisconsin gets rolling like the way we all think they will when Ohio State comes into Camp Randall, that that is an unfriendly environment for a young quarterback. And can can they, whoever the starting quarterback is, play well in that environment? I'm not sure. And we're going to say, and we're going to say that that could be one of three top ten matches that they could be in an un, in a hostile crowd with a with a freshman quarterback. Like that's rough. That's very rough. So Notre Dame is going to be the litmus test for me. If they can make it out of Notre Dame with a convincing win, um, then they should be good. But if they can't be convincing then they're going to be struggling the rest of the way. But the only reason that I have them higher than Penn State is because I've seen Ohio State do it before when I've had doubts. Um, famously, the 21 season, I had doubts on Ohio State with, you know, C.J. Stroud coming in as a new quarterback. So they could do it. We'll see how it works. But, yeah. Sure. So, uh, Mitch, you had Ohio State coming in number three. We already know who your winner is. So number two for you is Penn State. What are your thoughts on the Nittany Lions? Yeah, so obviously I'm higher on Penn State than you guys. Uh, Drew Aller, um, I think he's a quarterback that Penn State really isn't accustomed to. Uh, I feel like he's definitely their most talented quarterback they've had this century. You know, he's way better than the Sean Clifford's, the Trace McSorley's, the Christian Hackenberg's, the Matt McGloin's that they've recently had. Um, so uh, he's talented enough where he can go toe-to-toe with, like, any quarterback uh, in the country just talent-wise. Obviously – it's going to be a new thing for him. So there's going to, he's going to have to adjust, but I believe he's talented to do it. And he has a great support system to help him with that. You know, Nicholas Singleton, uh, who was the uh, big 10 freshman of the year last year, and one of the better running backs in the country, you know, pairing him with guys like Katron Allen and Trey Potts, who they got from Minnesota. That's a really nice running back room. I really like their wide receiver room getting uh, Dante Cephas, who's at Kent state, really productive guy. And they have, to me, they have the best uh, left tackle in the country in Alu Fashano. Um, and the rest of the line is a, a very veteran uh, offensive line compared to Ohio State's, where there's a lot of new guys coming in. Um, and the tight end room is pretty good with Theo Johnson, who's said to be just as good as the, uh, you know, guys like Pat Fryermuth, according to uh, uh, James Franklin. And 
this defense is really good. Even though they've lost Joey Porter Jr., uh, they still have a guy like um, Kalen King, who there's people who thought that he was better than uh, Joey Porter Jr. So I feel like he's definitely worthy of a first-round pick. And I got to keep on an eye out for is uh, Chop Robinson, who I feel like could uh, really go up draft boards as the season progresses. So I really like the scene. very talented. Obviously, it all hinges on Drew Aller uh, making the – you know, living up to the potential that everybody sees in him, and I think he's capable of doing it. So, Penn State at number two. Penn State at number two. So, we all know our winners of the East, leaving us with the Michigan Wolverines, um, who will uh, look to go. They they won back-to-back, right, already? Mm-hmm. In the East, so yeah, they're looking to make it three in a row, um, something that uh, in the Big Ten has is not often happened. Uh um overall um Skyler we'll have you start us off here why is Michigan going to win the east returning talent both on the offensive defensive side but like let's just look at that offensive side between JJ McCarthy um and Blake Warm just a one-two punch that is hard to beat JJ McCarthy is one of the best quarterbacks in the Big Ten um 1A 1B really with uh Tulia Tungavailola um and we had a lot of concern going into last year if JJ McCarthy, I mean, similar concern to Ohio, to Ohio State. If you have two quarterbacks, you really have none, but it worked out for them. Um, JJ McCarthy took like looked like the starter from day one, um, was just a more explosive guy. And I mean, there's a hundred to this team that they still feel doubted. Um, and, and rightfully so after losing to TCU um, in the semifinal. So, um, even with John Harbaugh missing those first three games, I think just kind of how this team is coached, how they're approaching the changes they are have been and have been willing to make um, and most likely will make moving forward into the season are just um, – they just seem easier to adapt. I mean, and again, we look at their schedule and they get – like there's no game where I think that they're – could – slip up like I mean you get sorry schedule 11 um you have to go to Penn State um that might be it but you get Ohio State at home um and with that's really it your non-con is East Carolina UNLV Bowling Green Rutgers you get four home games to start off the season you go to Nebraska and to Minnesota um to Michigan State which could be interesting um but I don't see any of these teams really threatening it until you get to Penn State um, in, that, in that week, in week 10 um, for them. So it's, I mean, they're going to get a ton of momentum until they're getting, until um, they get to the end of the season. Um, there might be some slip-ups here, but in terms of returning talent, what they're able to bring on both offense and defensive sides of the ball, um, the roster is just absolutely loaded. It's, it's hard. I don't want to just kind of repeat the same things that I said um, when we were doing our college football play pre- preview, but um, if uh, Blake uh, Blake Horm should be a Heisman contender this year um, and the different kinds of talent they just have all across the field is just crazy. And my shout out to Ernest. Um, sorry. Houseman, a linebacker from you know, Columbus, Nebraska, who transferred. I really hope he has a great year up there. I'll be watching him and give me even more of a reason to root for 
Michigan this year. Uh, yeah, Mitch, uh, your thoughts on the, the Wolverines? I mean, it's pretty simple. Uh, you know, Jim Harbaugh has shown that he's been able to adapt and evolve and get this team to where we really didn't think he could, uh, even though he's going to be missing three games against, you know, out-of-conference, lower-level teams, so it shouldn't be a worry. J.J. McCarthy, who's very talented, has another year under his belt, and I feel like he'll have an even better season. Um, and it's just a really loaded team, you know, the best running back room in the country, the best uh, offensive line, um, the defense, when you just look at it, unlike Ohio State, there's really no holes when, you know, the defensive line and edge rushers set linebacker room is awesome. The secondary is the strength. Um, so it's just really hard to bet against this team. I really don't see them. I mean, they should be favored in every game this year. That's how good they are. Um, and a guy who is very new to the program is only a sophomore, uh, Colston Loveland. I think he's a guy to keep an eye on. Um, you know, Eric all just recently transferred to Iowa. And we don't all know how talented he is. Uh, because this guy in Loveland is a lot better tight end. So I feel like he could, you know, now that he's gotten used to the college experience and how to play and whatnot, I feel like he could go off to a monster season um, and give J.J. McCarthy that weapon to pair with the for the dangerous running game. Uh, yeah, it's it's Michigan here. Now, you know, there's parts of the schedule I'm, I'm not I, – I think that they could struggle with. Um, and it's mostly those last three games, you know, at Penn State, at Maryland, home against Ohio State. Um, I I think that that game against Penn State is going to get flexed out of an 11 a.m. spot. There's no reason that shouldn't be a whiteout game, like a nighttime game there in Penn State. It's on Fox, right? Yes. So that, um, so it's staying. It's their, that's that's Fox. I know. Game. I know, but it's stupid um, because <laughs> because every couple of weeks you get the clip of. Uh, uh, Shea Patterson and Michigan walking out for the first play of the game against the Penn State whiteout crowd and having to call a timeout because they couldn't get the playoff in time. The, the crowd was so crazy. Um, you know, and, and and I think Maryland is going to be improved. Ohio State is is Ohio State, unfortunately, and even though Michigan's dominated in the last two years, it's I, I think the teams are I think it's just the ultimate rivalry in college football. It's one of those, you know, it's, it's on par with Auburn versus Alabama where Alabama could be 12 and 0 and Auburn could be 0 and 12, but you know, Auburn's going to go out there and give them a fight. You know um, I it's, it's on par with that. These two schools just hate each other. Um, but yeah, Skyler, I think hit it absolutely on the head. Returning talent is huge. JJ McCarthy's going to get a full season under his belt. Remember he walked into last year was the expectation being that he was going to split snaps with Cade McNamara. Who's now out at Iowa. He's, he's going to get, a full year. He was only sacked 12 times last year, um, which is, which is insane. Um, bringing back Blake Corum and, um, and Donovan Edwards, you're bringing back almost 50, 2,500 rushing yards, 25 touchdowns wide receiver pass catcher wise. They definitely lost some talent, you know, uh, uh, Ronnie Bell, who is your team's leading receiver in terms of receptions and yards. He's off in the NFL. So is your starting tight end from last year, Luke Schoonmaker. Um, so there's a little bit of talent there that you have to replace, but on the defensive side of the ball, you're bringing back junior Colson, you're bringing back Rod Moore, you're, you're bringing back such a talent, such a myriad of people. And, you know, Mitch hit it on the head, the strength of this defense is their secondary. And unfortunately, when we talk about 
not unfortunately, fortunately for Michigan, when we talk about the really successful football teams these last couple of years in college football, a lot of it has been made or broken by the play of the secondary, right? I go back to Trevor Lawrence's national championship game against Alabama. Alabama did not have a good secondary, but had a great team overall. And Trevor Lawrence smoked them for it. You know, we go back to Deshaun Watson's pair of national championship appearances and win, and, and a win against Alabama. And there was a little bit of a similar story that was there. But when we look at, at the history of champions, when we look at, at who's won the national championship and for why, a lot of it gets tied back to the secondary. And that's where Michigan has their strengths. So I, I, I here's what I'll say. I don't think Michigan goes undefeated. I, I think there's a good chance that they may end up losing one of those games between Maryland, Penn State, and Ohio State. But I think they're so good for so long, um, and I think that they they win the Big Ten championship that gets them into the college football playoff with one loss. Um, and and we all know what my prediction was. I have Michigan winning it all this year. Um, a lot of it has to has to do with that returning talent. So let's head on over to the. West. It was won by Purdue last year, believe it or not. Crazy old Boilermakers who won the Big Ten West and then lost their head coach. He's now down at Louisville. We talked about him a little bit earlier. But we'll start out with number seven. Hopefully this is a unanimous pick. Uh, but Mitch, why don't you kick us off? Number seven in the Big Ten West, you have. It's obviously got to be Northwestern. I mean, the, the whole uh, Pat's Fitzgerald scandal. You know, now that he's not there, they're bringing in the defensive coordinator to be their head coach. Um, probably just be interim unless he just blows it out of the water. But I doubt that. And even with the the Pat Fitzgerald the scandal not had did not happen, I still would have picked them seven. I just really don't like this team. Uh, it's gotten worse. Um, they brought in Ben Bryant to be their quarterback, but. Who knows? They've tried to bring in a lot of transfer quarterbacks because they haven't really been able to put, replace a guy like Clayton Thorson, who did so well for them. Um, there's really not – I just really don't see any strengths to this team. You know, previous teams, the running back room was really solid. I just don't see it this year. There's just really nothing to like with Northwestern. Yeah, I, I've got to agree with you here. For me, it, it has to be Northwestern. Um you know, this is a team that won the Big Ten West back in 2020 and has only won two conference games since then. Um, Pat Fitzgerald's last win wasn't even on American soil. Um, you you continue to have such a terrible problem at quarterback that has existed for you since the likes of King Coulter was there. Um, you lost your your best offensive lineman to the draft and Peter Skaronsky. Um, I think you have a – I think for what I expect your team to be, you have a brutal schedule. Um, and truly, the the only two games that I, I look at and I go Northwestern has a legitimate shot at winning is against Howard and Rutgers. I, I UTEP should beat Northwestern, just plain and simple. I think UTEP should beat Northwestern. And Duke, I, I, I'm a little bit higher on Duke than I am on Northwestern in general. And Northwestern has almost always dropped some random non-conference game that they shouldn't drop. So I, for me, it's like a two and 10 finish all in all for Northwestern. I, I just, I think this program got popped in the mouth right, literally right before the season starts with the loss of Pat Fitzgerald. Um, and this is after you built 
brand new state-of-the-art facilities, but you're Northwestern. You know, Pat Fitzgerald was the best that you could really hope for in like maybe every other year you'd go to a bowl game. Um, but yeah, two and 10 for me, Northwestern coming in, in dead last. I don't know if they win a conference game. Um, I think their best shot is going to be that game at Rutgers. And that's going to decide between the two conferences who objectively finishes worse. Um, Skylar, what about you coming in at number seven? Um, yeah. Northwestern. Um, I agree. Um, only realistic shot that they have. I won't even say that they can beat Rutgers. I think that they could go one and eleven, but they're only one against Howard. Um, because, I mean, yeah, like I mean, it's it's just kind of as of right now they haven't had a ton of people transfer out, but I'm sure by the end of the season it's going to be doing that when Rutgers cleans or Northwestern cleans house. Um, I think that the only reason that they haven't at this point is because, like, despite really yeah um so uh i mean there's not a lot of positives that you can really say about this team i mean i think that they're they're gonna try the hardest and that's really it um but even then we were starting to see over the last three years um a team that just wasn't playing well i mean they got um absolutely obliterated the year before and went three and nine Right, and then they went one and eleven last year. Yeah, and now they're one and and they're most likely going to go one and eleven again this year. Um. Yeah, I mean, there's not much to say after that. Alrighty, um, coming in then at number six, um, for me it's it's Purdue. Um, now I forget his name off the top of my my head. They're a new head coach. Um. The, the Ryan Walters, yeah. Sorry, Ryan, say it again, Mitch. Ryan Walters. Ryan Walters. Um, mm-hmm. I I think all in all that was a that was a very good hire, and it was very interesting to see Purdue go in, uh, such a different direction. Like historically, not historically, but for as long as I've been watching football, Purdue has very much been a uh an air raid style offense. Um, and so to replace. Uh, a guy like Brom, um, to with a uh, much more defensive-minded head coach, um, was an interesting move for me. But it's just it it ultimately comes down to the amount of talent that they lost. I mean, your starting quarterback last year, Aiden O'Connell, he's in the NFL. Your best wide receiver, Charlie Jones, he's in the NFL. Um, defensively, your defense was by far your your weak point um, through most of last year. Now, what I will say is. Um, the, the sophomore running back, Devin Mockaby, this dude had a great freshman year. Um, and I love watching this kid run. He reminds me of a, um, he reminds me of a galloping gazelle meets Alfred Morris as a halfback. Um, uh, it just the way that this dude's legs work when he's running is crazy to me. Uh, but last year, 195 carries, almost a thousand yards, nine rushing touchdowns. Uh, if, if Purdue really leans into to running the ball well, or running the ball, I think Devin Mockaby could be up there as as a 12, 13, 1400 yard rusher for them this next year. But there's just so much production you lost on the offensive side of the ball. I don't think you're walking in with a particularly strong offensive line. Um, and defensively, you you severely need work. And that's that all has to do with before we even talk about what their what their actual schedule looks like. Um with 
which for Purdue is is not going to be uh, an overall easy schedule, especially in uh, in conference here. They have uh, they are at Michigan, at Nebraska, home against Ohio State, home against Wisconsin. Like that's that's tough, and I don't know if this is a Purdue team that can win any of those games. Um, I think like ceiling for them is five wins. Um, they should be able to take care of Syracuse and Fresno State. Um, I they should be able well, to I don't take know care about of that. Virginia Tech. I I don't know. Fresno State is going to be a little bit of a toss up for me, but Syracuse is replacing a ton of people, and Dino Babers is on the hot seat. He has been for the last two seasons now. Um, Virginia Tech is to me a little bit of a toss up. I have no idea where that team is going to go. All in all, yeah, um, the, the fact that you have to play at Virginia Tech. <laughs> That's 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 more of where I'm going. Is that yes? Anyways, um, yeah, Abs- absolutely fair. It's always tough to play when uh, Enter Sandman is playing, um, but it, it, it's a rough road schedule. Um, yeah, at Iowa, at Michigan, at Nebraska, um, and and I think that for a first year head coach, for first year starters, kind of in multiple key positions, I think a cap for me is like five wins for Purdue. So I have them coming in sixth. Uh, Skyler, what about you? Um, I mean, yeah, Purdue is at six for me. Um, we look at, like you said, that non-con is, is not easy by any stretch of the means. Fresno State is going to be a team that, um, is going to be rough to play. Uh, at Virginia Tech is going to be a, a, uh, a game that's rough. Um, we also look at, a lot of just kind of turnover on this team. I mean, basically their entire <clears throat> their entire staff is gone. You're bringing in a brand new staff, and I agree that Ryan Walters is going to be a uh, a good head coach for this team. Uh, but it is a change of pace from what they're used to doing, which is you know air raid offensive style head coaches coming in to coach this team and when you're going to go defense first defense is is usually going to be able to catch up a little bit quicker so I think their defense will actually most likely be improved from last season but who they're playing is not going to make it easy I think Hudson Clark coming in as a quarterback is going to be great for them um, but they lost a lot of people at transfer to um, a lot of um, key players that could have helped them um, with Brady Allen at quarterback transferring to Louisville. Um, you have some other guys like um, Spencer Holstich going to UCLA, um, Lawrence Johnson going over to Auburn, um, Jack Sullivan to USC. So like that's a lot of, especially on the defensive side of the ball, that's a lot of you know depth and talent that they had that are no longer on this team. And when we're looking at the at the people they were able to bring in to help. Um, I mean, getting on St. Card is really just is the big one. You got a couple guys from Arkansas, a couple guys from Alabama or from Auburn. Um, we're able to get, I think, Marquise Wilson from Penn State might be able to play some good time for them as a transfer. Um, but you're relying on a lot of, like Nebraska, you're relying on a lot of um, young youth movement on this team and when your defense is going to be kind of patchy and the offense is going to take some time to get where it needs to be it's I don't see this team winning more than like Brady said probably five games between their non-con and conference and going to Iowa going to Nebraska going to Michigan um is all rough 
for them. Mitch, coming in number six for you. Yeah, I got Purdue as well. Um, I agree with Brady's oh assessment of the offense. I think Hudson Card will be a, a nice uh, quarterback to pair with Devin Mockaby. I agree that the offensive line is pretty poor. Um, and also, I just I just don't see the weapons that Hudson Card's going to have through the air. Uh, TJ Sheffield's uh, supposed to be the next number one, but I don't. I really don't think he's on par with the guys that we've seen before him. You know, the Charlie Jones, the Rondell Moore. So I feel like the besides Devin Mockaby, I'm kind of worried where the production's going to come from. And I'm not in love with this defense, even though Ryan Walters brings in a system that we've seen that can be very effective at Illinois. I just don't know if he's got the talent yet to. Uh, effectively use the style of uh, defense he wants to play. I mean, just looking at the starters, the only one who I think is kind of worth the damn is uh, Salim Turner Muhammad, according to the guy from Stanford. Otherwise, uh, I'm just really not liking this defense. Alrighty. Coming in at number five. Um, who started last time? Did I start? I think I started. Yeah. Uh, so, so Skyler, you're starting. Number five in the West, you have Iowa. Ooh. Even with all of their transfers in, I don't trust Brian Ferentz uh, as an offensive coordinator. Um, I think that their offensive line, since he's become their offensive coordinator, has taken a couple steps back, um, especially after Ted Linderbaum left at center. Um, they need that offensive line is the heart and soul of this team and always has been. Um, because, I mean, for how many years did we talk about them just putting in a running back back there and then be able to do whatever they needed to to win and run and go for a 1,000 yards every season? They didn't even come close to having a 1,000-yard rusher. Um, actually, no, I think they did have a 1,000-yard rusher last season. Let me pull it up just, just to see. I'm, like, trying to remember. Um but even with that, like I will say that right now, um, Cade McNamara is probably the best quarterback that they've had there for a while in terms of talent and what he can do. And he has been on a Big Ten championships team that beat Iowa two years ago, um, that made a college football playoff. So he knows what it takes. And having Eric Hall as a tight end will definitely work for them in terms of what they need to do. But as long as Brian Ferentz is still there, um, is still their offensive coordinator and they need to try to get above 25 points per game and they have to rely on their offense to do that. I don't trust who they have at, at running back. I don't trust who they have at wide receiver. Someone is going to have to take a step up. Their defense is going to be good, but they just lost their captain and Jack Campbell um, and uh, lost, you know, all American safety like Merriweather and Riley Moss um, and even Lucas Van Ness. All these guys that left on that defensive side, they have to be able to now bring in new talents to a at the edge rusher, out linebacker, and in the back end. Um, and when I'm looking at what some of these other offenses are going to be able to are trying to replicate or trying to do, especially with Wisconsin going to the air raid, Illinois bringing in a pretty good transfer quarterback, Nebraska reloading on the offensive side. Um, and then even their schedule isn't entirely friendly to them. Um, they are ranked 25th to start the season, but I think that they've kind of been over – overhyped and I think that a lot of people are just kind of relying on the history of Iowa and what they can't do um, because I'm looking at their schedule yeah you know, Utah State is going to be 
and a relatively easy opener. Western Michigan isn't too bad, but you have to go to Iowa State. Um, you have to go to Penn State. You have to go to Wisconsin. You have to go to Nebraska. That's not easy. None of those games are easy. Um, and so I don't trust them not to to win all to to win even half of those games, and then also be able to not slip up at home against you know a Minnesota or an Illinois. And so when I'm looking at this team, I think that they're six and six. I think they're solid. I think they'll win a bowl game, but six and six is usually where the fifth team in the Big West is. Six and six, five and seven, somewhere right around there. Um, because as long as they're relying on their defense to do the scoring for them, I, I don't I don't think they're gonna win more than six games. And also all of the um offseason scandals that have been happening in the state of Iowa don't help them either, with you know, some of their players being indicted in terms of gambling on games, in terms, you know, there's already been talk about the culture that Kirk Ferentz has there and how some of that could be troubling with, you know, allegations of racist staff. Um, So, I mean, like, this is just kind of a cherry on top now. And so I think that that can get to them and that gets them to six and six. All right, Iowa coming in at number five. Mitch, how do you have, who do you have coming in at number five? Five. I've got another uh number five. I got the Minnesota Golden Gophers. Ooh-hoo-hoo-hoo. I think this offense is interesting. Uh Athen Calipmonkis, uh, you know, coming in for Tanner Morgan. Uh we've already seen him kind of play. He destroyed uh Wisconsin, unfortunately, last year. So we know the talent's there, but he's got to do it for a full season now, not a couple of games. Um They've got Chris Autumn Bell coming in for like his sixth or seventh season. It's amazing how long he's been there. Um, and Sean T- Tyler is a really interesting uh, transfer that picked up in Western Michigan. So, and Brevin Span Ford is probably the best tight end in the conference. So, there's the makings of a really good offense, but I'm just not sold on this offensive line. I think it's it's gonna really miss John Michael Schmidt's presence. Um, and when you're looking on the defensive side, I, I just feel like it's really headlined by two secondary players and Justin Wally and Tyler Newman. Otherwise, I, I'm really not in love with the other guys that they have there. I feel like it's one of it's one of Minnesota's weaker defense defenses that we've seen in the PJ Fleck era. So I think they're going to go number five this year. Well, gentlemen, we all have different number fives because I have Illinois coming in at number five um here's I'm why i'm surprised none of us put nebraska at number five this was a, it was a toss-up for me honestly oh, i'm sure um <clears throat> so illinois number five. First half it has to do with just pure production loss right both your starter quarterback and your backup quarterback last year are gone you brought in luke altmeyer from ole miss but this isn't a guy who has a ton of career pass attempts i think like through two seasons he's got like sub 60 um, passing attempts all time or something like that. Um, you lost Chase Brown. You lost Sidney Brown. You lost your leading tackler last year. You're bringing back Isaiah Williams, which is nice. You lost your defensive coordinator. And the other part of it is that I think the Big Ten West is a lot less open this year than it was last year. I think last year, Illinois benefited from the fact that most Big Ten teams weren't very good. Like most Big Ten West teams just weren't good. And they took care of business a couple of times, but I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that this was a, a an older team for Illinois last year. Um, this year, 
I think a tough early season road trip to uh, Kansas definitely hurts them. Um, uh, you follow that up with a uh, coming back home for against the number seven ranked Penn State and the Lions. Um, uh, Nebraska, Maryland, Wisconsin, Minnesota in consecutive weeks. You get a little bit of a week off against Indiana feasibly. And then you got Iowa there. Um, I still think about six wins for Illinois all in all, um, you know, because uh, largely because of that non-con, um, you know, Toledo and FAU uh, with conjunction to getting a cross-conference game against Indiana. Th- this team should feasibly get to six wins, but I think when it comes down to conference play, I have a lot more faith in Minnesota and Iowa uh, developing their talent um, and and having more of a um, spread between older and younger guys than what I think Illinois is bringing back last season. And also, I just don't I don't have a ton of faith in Brett Bielema. He did some great things in Wisconsin, but it was an abject failure at Arkansas. Um, I think like we were all astonished by Illinois last year, and they still only won eight games. Um, you know, compared to compared to Kirk Ferentz, for example, who hasn't uh, had a losing season at Iowa since I think like 2011 or something like that. Um, and I think the only time in that time period he won fewer than seven games was the COVID year, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so I think I think all in all, I, I'm a little bit less in on Illinois getting Penn State, Nebraska and Wisconsin all at home is massive for them. Really, their toughest road game is, you know, at Kansas, at Minnesota, at Iowa. Take any of those, really. Um, but I, I just think there's way too many questions for Illinois. Um, I think they're having to replace a ton of talent, especially on that secondary. I, I, I think the loss of Sidney Brown is going to be really tough for them. And on top of that, we talk about we talk about this Illinois team. Their strength was defensively. They lost their defensive coordinator offensively last year, despite having one of the best halfbacks in the nation. They were only a 38% converter on third down. Like they were not very good on third down. I Luke Altmaier might be an overall like better quarterback in terms of an athlete than what um, Tommy DeVito was last year for them. But I, I think Illinois has some questions. I think they got murdered in the draft a little bit this last year. Um, so I'm going to take Illinois to come in number five. Um, that will take us to number four. Mitch, you're going to kick us off coming on, Coming in at number four in the Big Ten West, you have... I've got the Iowa Hawkeyes. Wow. What? Look, the, this team is going to be made or broken by their offense. We all know this. Cade McNamara, I think, was a, a solid choice for them to go at quarterback. He's not a talented guy as we've seen J.J. McCarthy been, but he's a very steady game manager. He's going to be very effective. Uh you know, very Brock Purdy kind of type of guy. And he's got some talented talents around him. You know, Eric all followed him there. We know how talented he is. Uh, Luke Blackley looks like he's going to be the next great uh, Iowa tight end. Um, and they should have a decent running game. But um, obviously we need the parents to really step this game up on the offense. And looking at the defense, I, I still think it's going to be a talented defense, not maybe – as great as some of the defenses we've seen uh, lately, you know, they've lost uh, some transfers, guys going to the NFL, but they still have some guys, uh, especially in the secondary. Cooper DeGene looks like he's going to be the next uh, first-round Iowa Hawkeye defender. Xavier Nagwapa is, you know, another year under his belt. They're a big uh, five-star free, uh, recruiting guy that they got in. 
I do think they're going to get hurt by Noah Shannon, you know, their leader on the defensive line being suspended for the year for gambling. But I still feel like it's a solid enough team. And I believe it. I believe in them more than the, you know, Minnesota Purdue Northwestern, just because I think their defense is still going to be great. And, the, and their offense, I think, has the potential to be better than what Minnesota Purdue or Northwestern can come up with. All right. Well, I'm going to take it in a different direction. Coming in at number four, I have, wait for it, gentlemen. Drum roll, please. Skyler's going to shoot his pants. Minnesota. Um, I know. This is crazy. For me with Minnesota, it comes down to the brutal draw from the East. You know, you get Michigan, Michigan State, um, and Ohio State to add on with games against Illinois, Wisconsin, Iowa, Nebraska, and on top of that, you have North Carolina on a road trip in a non-con. Um, you know, I, I liked what we saw at a, a Kalamonicus last year for them, but he's still three touchdowns, four interceptions. Um, you lost Mo Ibrahim. You Kalamonicus was nice when he was coming in for Tanner Morgan, but like, let's not forget, for almost the entire time, PJ Fleck has been at Minnesota, so has Tanner Morgan, so has Mo Ibrahim, right? Um, yeah, Tanner Morgan was a freshman that came in in his first game against Nebraska. Scott Frost's first win. Tanner Morgan came in because their starting quarterback got injured, and then he's never not played a game for them. Exactly. And, you know, Minnesota, I don't think they recruited exceptionally well. I don't think that they, they were as involved in the transfer portal. I think it's a brutal – like, honestly, just the stretch of home against Michigan at Iowa, home against Michigan State, Illinois, at Purdue – um, at Ohio State and then closing the season at home against Wisconsin. Now, they've been better against Wisconsin the last couple of years than they've been the 20 years before that, obviously. But um, a lot of Big Ten West teams made better moves than what Minnesota did. Um, I think Minnesota does suffer from a brutal schedule and having to replace a lot of starters. Now, there's strengths on Minnesota's side of the ball, right? Um, uh, they're uh, bringing back their uh, both lead wide receiver in um, – uh, what's his, uh, what is his first Daniel name? Jackson. Daniel Jackson. Um, Brevin Spanford, um, I think, is is huge for them as well. Um, and, and I think they have a lot of talent on the offensive line. I think bringing back um, on the defensive side of the ball, um, you're uh, uh, a really solid corner in Tyler Newbin for you. Um, there's, there's things to like about Minnesota, but I think – I just think all in all it's a brutal schedule. Uh, P.J. Fleck does not have a signature cross-conference win – like he hasn't he hasn't beaten Penn State, I don't believe. I don't think he's beaten Michigan. I don't think he's beaten Ohio State in his time that he's been there. You know, so and last year, you know, Minnesota, Iowa, Illinois, and Purdue, Wisconsin to a lesser extent, were all sort of in this category of like anybody could pull off a win to the Big Ten West. And when Minnesota had their opportunities to do that, they couldn't get it done. Um, so I'm gonna take Minnesota to come in. Uh, fourth in the Big Ten West, and it's almost exclusively to do with a, a fairly brutal schedule for them. The I agree with Brady. Minnesota's my fourth. Um, I'm, but I'm going to push back about against some of the comments he made. Um, mostly because I have an even least less favorable position on some of them. Um, Kyle Mongus as a quarterback, um, was not good last year. Like. Let's be honest. He wasn't. He played 11 games for them. He threw 11, uh, 111 passes, completed only 60 of them. So 
through had a 54% completion rating through four and had three touchdowns and four interceptions over 11 games. Now, granted, some of that was in, you know, garbage time when Tanner Morgan couldn't play. Um, but some of those were starts and some of those were him having to come in and play serious minutes again his first like serious amount of time he had to play was against Nebraska and in a game where Minnesota came back and and won that but I'm seriously doubting the production on that offensive side of the ball Mo Ibrahim was the offense for this team he had 1700 yards last year and 20 touchdowns next closest in terms of total touchdowns was Daniel Jackson a wide receiver with five touchdowns now again yes getting your two leading receivers back is great and Daniel Jackson and Brevin Spanford but Daniel Jackson had 37 receptions for 557 yards. He's not a world beater. He's not a guy that's going to be beating you down long, uh, down the field. He's not some, you know, uber talented wide receiver like Rashad Bateman was. And Brevin Span Ford is, you know, a serviceable tight end with 42 receptions and 497 yards. Um, but having those, like, they need production somewhere. And then they're having their leading returning rusher is Bryce Williams. Um, who averaged five yards per carry, um, but only scored three touchdowns um, last year. And they brought in a 5-8 transfer in um, Sean Tyler to to uh, try to take some of that burden on. And so between that and then also losing most of their interior offense, fine it's going to be rough and that first game against nebraska as much as i do think minnesota can win that game you're going up against returning starters on the interior defensive line and ty robinson and nash hutchmacher and that's going to tell me whether or not that interior defense offensive line is going to be able to do well in the big 10 um, because we've been hearing raves about how the new nutrition and fitness staff have come in and everybody's bodies have changed in nebraska um they've all added muscle they've cut fat um, and they become bigger and stronger. So, like, as much as Nebraska hasn't been a team that you could push around on the offense and defensive line before, that might be changing. Um, and I think all of us are probably in agreement there. Um, and on the defensive side of the ball, again, you're you're returning some good players. But the production there, the production last year wasn't where it needed to be on the defensive side of the ball. Their leading sacker was Daniel Stigow, and he had three and a half sacks. They weren't getting to the quarterback. They weren't turning the ball over like they needed to. Tyler Nubbin was really the only guy that was doing that. Um, and despite the unfortunate last name, got four interceptions. Um, so, like, for me, it's like that offensive. There's so much production on that offensive side of the ball that needs – that is gone that I still think, you know, P.J. Fleck is a good enough coach for this team to make a bowl game. But they're going to – it's going to take time for them to be able to ramp up to where they were before, especially in the amount of production on that offensive side of the ball lost by just Mo Ibrahim leaving. Because, again, that's 1,700 yards and 20 touchdowns that you need to find somewhere else. And that's what got them to 9-4. and four. So, yeah, fourth place. Fourth place. Mitch? Did you start us at number four? I don't remember. Yeah, I start. I started four. My fourth started was four. Iowa. Gotcha. Okay, coming in at number three for me. I'll start off. Nebraska. Um, listen, I, I think Nebraska and Minnesota finished with the exact same record. I think what it ultimately comes down to is just Nebraska beats them week one. 
Um, I think Nebraska has a, a little bit of an easier um, non-con schedule. Um, Colorado, Northern Illinois, Louisiana Tech. Colorado would be tough. That would be a fun little litmus test for them. Um, but if Nebraska starts the year out 0-2, it's not the end of the world, unfortunately. Even if they start the year out 2-3 and after the game against Michigan, it's not the end of the world here. Listen, the first year of the Matt Rule experience, you're not going to go 8-4, and right? You're not – now – I think they can be better than what we've seen out of first years of Matt Rule in the past because of mm-hmm. things like the transfer portal, for example. And they're also, and just to cut in here, they're also not tur- turning into a new division, and they didn't get basically the death penalty. Yeah, correct, absolutely. Um, I, I do. I really love them bringing in uh, Sims, the quarterback from Georgia Tech. I thought every time I watched Georgia Tech play um, last year, and, and I watched quite a bit of ACC football, I was always like, "Wow, this guy could really do something if he just had like." Uh, uh, a coach who knew football um, like a coach who knew how to run a two minute drill uh, uh, and stuff like that. And so I am very excited for that. Um, you know, getting Michigan, that's, that's a tough go for Nebraska. Um, I think Nebraska can play them well. Nebraska, even in the Scott Frost era played Michigan very well um, and almost beat them a couple of years ago, if not for a horrible Adrian Martinez fumble. Um, that, that ended up kind of costing them the game. Um, I think getting Michigan at home is nice. Getting Michigan in general, tough. Um, road trip to Illinois, road trip to Iowa. That one, I, I, I think that, that can hurt. Maryland will be a sneaky game. But Nebraska should be able to take care of business here. You know, they, they should be able to take care of Purdue and Michigan State. They should be able to take care of Northwestern. They should, on paper, be able to take care of Maryland. Combine that with those with at least two out of three non-con wins and hey nebraska for the first time since 2016 you're going bowling baby um but uh, to me nebraska season is going to be made or broken not by the record after the first two weeks but by what we see out of them the first two weeks are we are is nebraska making similar boneheaded mistakes as they did the entirety of the scott frost era right it, it and I know what a lot of people are saying. Brady, this is a team who couldn't even beat Georgia Southern last year. What do you, why do you think they're going to go bowling? I don't know. Um, call me a homer. But I, I think this is one of the easier schedules Nebraska has had recently. I think there's there's an energy in the program um, right now that, that Matt Rule has, has brought in. You know, I've seen so many videos from camp in which I've loved and agreed with everything that Matt Rule has said. Um, they went into the transfer portal. I thought they recruited pretty decently. Um, it, you know, for me at Nebraska, the number one worries, the the, the big worries for me are, are going to come on the defensive side of the ball. Um, it kind of, especially in that secondary and with the rushing defense, that rushing defense is going to need to be all in all very good this year. Um, and then on the offensive side of the ball, I'd love to see them run the ball more effectively. I liked what I saw at a, at a uh, who was their halfback with Anthony Grant. Um, yeah, I, I liked what I saw out of him almost a thousand yards last year. I want to see Nebraska kind of become more focused on running the football. Um, I, I think all in all, they're going to be pretty good. I say like maybe seven wins is like sort of the cap for me. I'll, I'll take it. Um, I'll take it. And yeah, no, absolutely. Seven wins, I think, is, is the cap for me. Now, I will say this sort of to cover my ass here. I could see this going terribly. Like I could definitely see this going horribly for nebraska um and that's where the 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 pessimism that is the brady russell experience comes in um but 
yeah, I think all in all, by virtue of them beating Minnesota week one, I think when the standings ultimately shake out, Nebraska comes in at number three. Skyler, who you got? I uh, also got Nebraska at three. Um, and I think I'll say they've got eight wins, but that includes the bowl game. That includes the bowl game because I think that they could probably get a favorable bowl. I'm just kidding. Um, for Nebraska, um, honestly, I am the optimist on this podcast. Like it's it's like relatively well known. Um, and I've said this entire offseason, try not to drink the real aid, try not to drink the real aid, try not to drink the real aid. But then I kind of sat back and I remember us talking about Matt Rule's 2019 Baylor team mm-hmm. and how much Brady loved that team. Oh yeah. Um and I think it's because and for for those of you at home that are, you know, thinking about, you know, what he did in Carolina and how awful an experiment that was, Matt Rule deserve like belongs in college football. Like the kind of person he is, how he likes to be with his offensive like work with his team, um, and how they do it, um, and how he recruits, how he builds culture, all of it's college football. And this is probably the most transparent I've seen of a Nebraska team in terms of what they're doing probably ever. Um, they've been releasing weekly videos about like different things that are happening at camp. They've been doing kind of like a, um, a hard knocks kind of style through preseason. Um, and every time I'm watching it, it just – Truly and honestly, it's I look at it and I go, this is how Brady would build a football team. <laughs> like in terms of his how he how he goes about it and what he does. Um, there is just a lot that there's a lot of things to be optimistic about for Nebraska. And if you are saying Nebraska fans are like this, you've done this before, you've had this discussion. Um you should watch those videos on the like on those hard knocks, and it's kind of hard not to listen to Matt Roll talk and coach and not start believing that this team can turn around. Um, I completely agree with Brady in terms of schedule, though. I think it's schedule. It's we got really lucky in our conference, uh, our crossovers um, in Indiana and uh, Maryland, um, and we do get Minnesota at home, which is great for or not Minnesota, Michigan at home. Um, I do think that we can walk into Michigan 4-0. I do think it's possible. Um, we'll probably be closer to like 3-1 and or 2-2, and um, but I do think it's possible. I think that our running back room is probably going to be our strength with Anthony Grant coming back. He had a great start to the season, had 600 yards in like five games, but then only had 300 yards the rest of the season um, with the same amount of carries he was getting. I think that um, – our defense, especially our defensive backfield, is going to be really good. It's young, it's hungry, and they're going to want to do things. For me, it's going to be how these these lines play. Our offensive line was a travesty last year, um, and part of it is it was young, and part of it is also um, you had Scott Frost's system and what he wanted to do, and you had Mark Whipple's system and what he wanted to do, and they were kind of caught in between. The only the only coach that was um, retained from Scott Frost's staff was Donovan Riola. And whether you think it's because they were trying to get his nephew to come to play for him, or you think that he's actually a good coach, totally up to you. Make your decisions how you think. Um, 
but everything I'm hearing, like, again, there's no, you're never going to hear bad things from camp, but it's, if this offensive line can gel and work well and move the line of scrimmage, they'll do great. And if this defensive line in a, you know, a three, three, five system, which I'm really curious and nervous about how that's going to work in the big 10. Um, we saw it at three, three, five at TCU beat Michigan. Um, I, if they can move the line there with, you know, some really good transfers and MJ Sherman coming off the line, please understand. I've heard great things coming out of camp. Our linebacker rooms probably is what I've heard is the heart and soul of our team with a bunch of returning starters. We have Luke Reimer, who's the returning, um, uh, he's the active leading tackler in the big 10 coming back. Um, and has a chance of being second overall in Nebraska for tackling history, which is if you know defenders that have played at Nebraska, that's 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 impressive. So I, I'm gonna go cautiously optimistic. I think Nebraska can get to three and five or eight and mean four, seven and five, and be third place in the big ten. Mitch coming in, numero trace. We got go three for three again. I got Nebraska as well. Um, I think Matt Rule has been doing a fantastic job of rebuilding uh, Nebraska. Jeff Sims, I think, is a really interesting quarterback coming in. There's a lot, obviously a lot of potential for him as a dual-threat quarterback. The only things he needs to clean up on is his turnovers and his uh, career completion percentage is 58%, so got to boost that up. But otherwise, I feel like he could be a very very talented quarter, quarterback for this team. I agree with Skyler. I really like this uh, running back room. You know, Anthony Grant really broke out last year. But let's not forget they still have a guy in Ramir Johnson, who's I think is almost as good as uh, Anthony Grant. I've I've liked what they've done through the transfer portal. You know, bringing in a veteran like Billy Kemp to that wide receiver room. Uh, you know, MJ Sherman, Chief Borders, Elijah Judy to the defense to really uh, shore it up. Um, and what he's done with recruiting, you know, obviously getting a very, very talented wide receiver in Malachi Coleman. Um, and on the defensive side, Scott, you're gonna help you're gonna have to help me with this pronunciation, but Princewell Umema Nellum? It's close. Most most of us <clears throat> just call him Princewell. Like it's just okay. that's just what we call him. <laughs> so I'll just go with his first name, Princewell, um, who has been garnished gardening preseason national attention for a guy who could really step in and be a star for this defense. So I I think Matt Rule's a good coach. We've seen the track record of him coming into programs and rebuilding it. Um, I feel like he's brought in the talent through recruiting and uh, the transfer portal and what's already been here. Like Skyler said, that's linebacker room. There's a lot of great veterans. Um, so I think they're going to take third, and I agree with you guys that they'll be bowling this year. All right. Numero two, Skyler, kick us off here. You got coming in at number two in the Big Ten West. Illinois. Um, yeah. You and I I I and I know Mitch agrees with me. I've done the math. Um so Chase Brown is a huge loss. Let's just get that out of the way. He's a huge loss. Mo Ibrahim level of loss. Eighteen hundred yards from scrimmage, thirteen touchdowns. But they actually do have a productive person coming back in Reggie Love the third, who can be successful for them. And he had how many rushing yards last year? 316 yards on 70 attempts, averaging four and a half yards per carry. Had uh he he did well. Um you also have, I believe, is Isaiah Williams coming back too? Yes. 
Yes. Isaiah Williams is coming back, who was their second leader in scrimmage yards at 720 with five touchdowns. Luke Altmeyer is – oh, one sec. Bless you. Um, Luke Altmeyer is probably the returning um, – is better than most quarterbacks that they've had at Illinois. No, no hate to Tommy DeVito, but Luke Altmeyer is better than anything that they've brought in. Um, you also look at just kind of, yes, they lost – um, a lot of those guys in terms of at the running back position, but they bring back guys at the wide receiver position. They bring back guys at the tight end position. Um, they are going to be starting a lot of freshmen, and that's going to be on the offense. But having um, Isaiah Williams and Reggie Love the third, I think, helps um, in that area. And then at the – I'm trying to find who he is at tight end. Mitch, can you oh, hear me here? Are you thinking of uh, Tip Raymond? Yeah, Tip Raymond um, came in not the best numbers, but I think that he can definitely um, fill the goal that that hole left by some seniors that left. Um, I also think that when we're looking at their defense, their defense will reload, and I I, I feel like there's probably a Brent Fielma bias on some parts of this podcast um, and going in the anti way because he was very productive in the Big Ten when he was at those Wisconsin teams. So Wisconsin teams were able to reload on the defensive side of the ball. And I think that they're going to be able to do the same thing because we thought the same, we thought very similar of them after Brett Billman's first year when they lost really good players in the secondary and they were able to reload and have two more draft picks from that secondary come in. Um, I will say they are, yes, losing production, but um, just from the steady growth that I've seen, the surprise out of nowhere last year in terms of what they're able to do, I do have faith that they can replicate it, and it's mostly because the Big Ten is so open. Um, Brady wants to talk about um, that schedule, but you know, non-conference against Toledo, Kansas, and FAU. Um, we know how Brady thinks about Kansas and what Kansas can do this year. Um, I'm not nearly as high on Rock Chalk Jayhawk. Um, you also go to Purdue and Maryland, you get uh, Wisconsin at home. Um, like you can, you can win some of these games. And again, I'm not going to say that they're going to be, you know, nine and three or 10 and two in the big 10 West. They're probably going to be closer to eight and four again, but it's going to be, uh, non-conference wins that they're most likely going to get. It's going to be conference, um, getting the right conference wins. They don't have to play their, their one opponent from the cross that's really hard is uh, Penn state and they get them at home. Um, And like I said, when we were talking about Penn state, that's a, that's a game for Penn state to see if, you know, like they can win that one. Um, And Illinois has been surprising over the last couple of years, not just these, this last year, the year before they were able to, I mean, Nebraska had to beat Illinois in a couple of years and it was a team that we routinely beat. Um, so, and again, you can say Nebraska's been bad over the last couple of years, but even when we were bad, that was the team we were beating, so annoying. Um, Brett Bilma has come in and put in a new kind of um, style and faith in this team, and there's energy behind Illinois now where there hasn't been before, and that can do so much for a program um, both ways. Like, as a Nebraska fan, I can tell you what it's like to see the energy sucked out of a team. Um, Illinois has a ton of energy going in, and I'm really excited for that. Um week three matchup against Penn State because I think it can work out really, really – I think it's going to be an interesting game, and it, that will prove whether or not I'm right in terms of if they're competitive or if even they're able to win that game. Um, I think Luke Altmeyer 
um, is going to prove a lot of people wrong. All right, Mitch at number two, jerking Skyler off. We got. Yeah, I I also have Illinois. Obviously, um, I agree with Skyler's assessment assessment of Luke Altmaier. Um, obviously he was buried on the depth chart at Ole Miss, but he's very talented. Um, and the best thing about him is he's a redshirt sophomore, so they can finally have some consistency. Um, at the quarterback position, instead of trying to bring in the hottest, uh, uh, you know, transfer quarterback to play and come in for a year that they can't find. Um, Reggie Love, I think, will help uh, mitigate the loss of Chase Brown, but obviously Chase Brown's one of probably the, you know, top five best running back in their pro uh, program history. Uh, he, The wide receiver room is, I think, very underrated. Isaiah, Isaiah Williams, obviously leading it. Pat Bryant, Casey Washington are very uh, solid guys. I like the offensive line. It's not – I want to say it's, like, super talented studies like a Michigan's, uh, Michigan or Ohio State or Wisconsin, uh, but I think it's very solid and veteran-heavy. Uh, the defense, even though they've, you know, lost some guys to the draft and they've lost their defensive coordinator, it's still pretty scary when you look at it, especially that defensive line led by uh, Jerzane Newton, Tarah Edwards, and Keith Randolph. That's going to be a scary front to try and play against uh, every Saturday this coming year. I mean, a guy like Jerzane Newton is uh, is right now considered a first-round lock and, and is in contention for being the best defensive tackle in this draft class. And Keith Randolph, who is, you know, not uh, – is pretty close behind him. So I feel like it's still going to be a scary defense. Um and I and I look with Skyler. I believe in the Luke Altmaier potential. I think he could uh, get them over the hump in contention with uh, against Wisconsin in, in the Big Ten West. But um, obviously, you know, he hasn't had a lot of starting experience, so he's still got some ways to go. So that's why I think they'll finish second. Y'all are crazy. Um, and number two, I have Iowa. Um, listen. In the last eight seasons, Iowa has won 70% of their football games. In the last eight seasons, they are 71 and uh, and 30. Um, it is, it's, it, it's insane. We sit here talking about how bad Iowa's offense was last year. And don't get me wrong, folks. It was horrible. And yet this team, this team still won eight games. Kirk Ferentz hasn't won fewer than eight games or uh, fewer than, uh, yeah, eight games since 2014. He hasn't won fewer than seven games since 2012. He's like, the offense is, is what it is, right? Sean Peach threw for like seven touchdowns last year. Kate McNamara in the one season he had at Michigan threw 15 touchdowns, six interceptions. It's a, it's a huge upgrade for quarterback. Now his health, that's a question. There's no doubt about that. But Yeah, he might not even start the first game. Correct. But Iowa's defense is year in and year out, regardless of who they trot out on the field and regardless of who they've lost the year before. Good. Like just simply good. You're bringing back Cooper Dijon, who led the team in interceptions. You've had multiple first round picks the last couple of years. You had two first round picks this last draft. You, you always, you always recruit. Well, you actually went and dabbled into the transfer portal this year. Um, and so, like, I, I think this offense is going to improve. I think it has to, frankly, um, because it can't get much worse. But I'm also very excited to watch Caleb Johnson. This kid's only uh, only a sophomore, 779 rushing yards last year, uh, six touchdowns for them. Um, 
you know, you lost Sam Lopardo, but you're you're bringing back Luke Lachey, and we know Iowa's history with tight ends. We know what this team wants to do. I think Kate McNamara running in a, in a play-action system is going to work out beautifully for him and really isn't all that different than what he was running at, um, at Michigan. Um, a lot less shotgun um, overall. But when I, when I also just look at the schedule, I, I think it's a lot easier. Listen, I don't, I, I have a love hate relationship with Iowa state one way or another, but Kirk Ferentz has dominated that rivalry almost the entire time that he's, he's been there. Um, tough early see early conference game at Penn state. There's no doubt about that, but Michigan state, I expect to be bad. Purdue, I expect to be bad. I, or Wisconsin will be a tough draw. And that's, that's where I think they'll trip up. They should beat Minnesota, plain and simple. They beat Minnesota quite a bit the last couple of years. Um, they get that game at home. They should beat Northwestern. They should beat Rutgers. They should beat uh, Illinois. And 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 frankly, they should beat Nebraska. They should have beat Nebraska last year, but they didn't. But that's another game in which they had dominated. Skyler can correct me if I'm wrong. Before last year, Iowa had won like what five straight games against Nebraska. Last time, last time Nebraska beat Iowa was Bo Pelini's last year. Was Bo Pelini's last year, right? So 16, yeah, 2016, yeah. Yeah, so so five plus consecutive wins against Nebraska before a little bit of a trip up there at the end of the season. I think this is an offense that all in all is going to improve, mostly because it can't get any worse, um, and they don't have to play South Dakota State. So hey, that's great. Um, it's just listen, we, we can rag on Kirk Ferentz as much as we want, and trust me, on this podcast we have we've sat there and said like, how can Iowa keep this guy around? He's only so good, but he's led this team to two Big Ten championships, uh, championship appearances. He's led this team to a Rose Bowl. He's got uh, two Orange Bowl wins throughout his career. He's a, he's an overall like 61% uh, winning percentage head coach. And and a huge – the reason that number isn't higher is because his first year they went like 1-11 um, uh, that, that he was there. They've won, again, like 71 out of 101 games in the last eight seasons. Iowa, year in and year out, knows how to bring in talent, knows how to replace talent. Say what you want about Kirk Ferentz, but he has a system that works – and is good enough to consistently get them seven or eight wins, if not more. I got Iowa coming in at number two, folks. So, with that being said, we all know our winner. Let's drop the banner, folks. It's going to be Wisconsin coming out of the West. <laughs> um, we did talk about Wisconsin, the additions of uh, uh, co- largely coaching additions there, right? Luke Fickle and Phil Longo. Um, on that side of the ball, you bring in Tanner Mordecai, a guy who threw 30 plus touchdowns at, at SMU. Jesus, I couldn't name you the last time a Wisconsin quarterback threw 30 touchdowns. It might be Russell Wilson, honestly. Um, um, you know, bringing back uh, Braylon Allen, maybe uh, John Meta. Um, they did lose quite a bit of talent. So I'll kick us off here with Wisconsin. Um, you know, I think I think it's a favorable schedule for the Badgers, uh, all in all. Uh, they're going to have the opportunity to go and take some vengeance against Washington state. That's going to be a really key kind of early season litmus test there for them. Um, But, you know, Purdue and Rutgers to kick off your conference schedule is fairly solid. You get Iowa at home. You're going to have to go on the road to Illinois. And and again, and I've said this a couple of times, Illinois was good last year. They won eight games, but they won a lot of games that they probably shouldn't have won. And I think they won a lot of games that they won because their opponent was, I, I think their opponent shot themselves in the foot a little bit more than Illinois pull off those wins. Um, Wisconsin hasn't beaten Ohio state since 2010, I believe um, that very easily could change, but that right now, if you're looking at Wisconsin is going to be the, the, 
one game I think you can say with certainty that they're going to lose. And then closing the schedule with home games against Northwestern and Nebraska before going to Minnesota. Um, you know, Wisconsin struggled in recent years against Minnesota, um, but it, I think Wisconsin is on an ascend. I think Minnesota is a little bit on a on a rebuild uh, quite a bit. So I think all in all a favorable schedule um, going into the transfer portal as heavily as they did, bringing in so much talent, yet returning so much talent. And don't get me wrong. I think there's some weaknesses for Wisconsin. I have huge question marks on that offensive line. Um, I have question marks on, uh, you know, you're replacing both uh, Herbig and Keanu Benton, who were fantastic defensive players for you. Um, but if I have a sleeper guy, if I have a guy who I think may end up pulling out something along the lines of Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year, watch out for Maymay Jong Meta. Um, I, I, I think that this kid maybe could be one of the best inside linebackers Wisconsin's produced in a very long time. And when I look at him, I see like a Chris Borland 2.0 type. Um, I absolutely love watching this kid play. Um, the dairy raid is going to be, it's going to be fantastic. We're going to torch the Midwest. I the Badgers number one forever, always in our hearts on the podcast. We'll end there. Cause no one can say anything bad about the Badgers. Uh, but no, uh, Skyler, go ahead. Uh, what are your thoughts on Wisconsin? I really hope they crash and burn now just because of how optimistic you are on the season. Um, just <laughs> I hope like Jeff really... Sims tears his ACL now. <laughs> no, like, go get shot in the first game. <laughs> no, it's, that's dark. Um, I mean, it is Minneapolis, so, um, but, uh, What can be said about Wisconsin that we haven't said in the last two episodes? Um, I mean, I, I mean, again, correct me if I'm wrong, but they should be favored in 11 out of 12 games this season. Correct. Yeah. Um, yeah, for ones that we have the betting lines for already, yeah, the only one and, they're not favored in is Ohio State. Yeah, and you get Ohio State at home. And like yeah. I said before, I've been in that, Camp Randall. I, I've been at Camp Randall during a top 10 game. Oh, that's the Halloween game. Yeah. yeah, when I went to Nebraska, Wisconsin, and that was Nebraska was ranked seventh, and Wisconsin was ranked fourth. That no, was Nebraska was ranked too. Yeah. Um. <laughs> uh. It's dark. It's interesting. Um. And I wouldn't want to be Ohio State. Like that's just plain and simple. I, you get Tanner Mordecai in at quarterback. I think he's going to do a lot of really good things. I think that you know getting additions at wide receiver while keeping Skylar Bell and some of those other guys from last year is going to help just help you in the long run. I think having um Braylon Allen come back would be great. I don't care who the offensive line in front of him is. Uh, I think defensively you're going to reload the only the only thing that is slightly concerning to me is that Jim Leonard is no longer on the staff. That is the only thing. That is that is keeping me is how does this defense play under a new system that they haven't used in a while? Because correct me if I'm wrong, you guys are also moving to the three three five. Uh yeah, I believe so. Okay. So that's gonna be interesting. Because I know for Nebraska's three three five, it's very chaotic. It's supposed to be used in multiple ways. It's supposed to be, you know, kind of fit to the opponent that you're facing. Um, I'm that's what I'm kind of assuming is going to be the same. You guys have a ton of athletes, um, but I I've said in the past, probably the weakest part of most Wisconsin defenses is their secondary. Their defensive back. Oh, 
Yeah, their defensive backs. They've had some really, really good defensive backs. I'm trying to remember who was Barry Alvarez's grandson. Oh, Ferguson? Oh, the Ferguson's. Ferguson. Yeah, I thought that he played great at, as a defensive back for them at a safety position. Um, uh, Mild Goose? Wild Goose. Wild Goose. Yeah, Rashad Wild Goose. Well, Rashad Wild Goose was, you know, a, a defensive, great defensive back for you guys. But recently, I think that that's been kind of a weakness for them. I mean, I, I look at what Nebraska has been able to do the last couple of seasons throwing the ball against you guys. Um, that's been a weakness. And so, yeah, the dairy raid is going to come up and it's going to be interesting and see how that kind of style of offense takes hand. But Jim Leonard's with Illinois now as a defensive analyst. And it's going to be interesting how a new defensive system works for you guys. I still think you're probably going to win 11, 12 games. I think that you're a college football playoff sleeper. Um, If this was an expanded playoff, I'd have you in. Um. But yeah, I, I I think that there's a lot of things to be happy about in Madison right now. I saw I saw you guys singing to Taylor Swift, and I thought that was pretty fun. Yeah, yeah. Mitch, what are your thoughts? All right, before I tell you why they're gonna win the next uh, ten straight national championships, I will do a half hour rendition of varsity. Um, but no, uh, mm-hmm. obviously Wisconsin should be favored in the West. Uh, you know, switching to an air raid offense while having a really solid running back room in Braylon Allen and Ches Um, you know, there's a lot of possibilities, especially with Tanner Mordecai. You know, we've seen the video game Madden numbers that he put up at SMU. If he gets even close to that, that'll be fantastic. The wide receiver room is just stacked. Uh, you know, the starters are looking like Chamari DK, CJ Williams, and Will Pauling. Uh I'm not as concerned as the offensive line is where he is. I think it's a uh, very deep and tested. You know, we have a lot of veterans and guys like Jack Nelson, who's going to be an NFL player, uh, Tanner Bordellini, who can play anywhere on the defensive line, and bringing back a guy like Michael Burtney, and bringing a guy who was all, all AAC and uh, Jack Renfro, um, who hopefully can get on the men, but he's a, one of the better centers in the country. Um, so I think they're very loaded on the offense. Um, outside of the tight end position, you know, it really hurts that your top two tight ends from last year decided to leave the program through medical retirement and other reasons. So that's going to be very – it's a very untested room, but there's potential there. Um, the defense, uh, Skyler talked about the secondary, but it's shaping up to be one of the better secondaries that Wisconsin's had in the wild. Uh, Ricardo Hallman, Alexander Smith, and Jason – uh, Maestro, who they picked up from Boston College, have been lights out. And uh, Kamoe Latau and Hunter Waller are primed for big seasons as well. So I think this could be the best uh, uh, secondary Wisconsin's produced in a very long time. And the kind of secondary that can actually go up to toe-to-toe with, uh, you know, the offenses of Penn State, Michigan, and Ohio State. Um Obviously, there's some questions in the front seven. I think the defensive line is probably the weakest uh, part of this defense this year. But like Brady said, uh, Mame John Mena is primed to be one of the better linebackers in the country. And guys like Jake Cheney and Jordan Turner are, you know, look to be the next, you know, great inside linebackers. Uh, so, yeah, there's a lot of positives. Uh, they made some additions on special teams as well. So, you know, I see no reason why they shouldn't win the Big Ten West and, uh, looking at the schedule, you know, Ohio State's really the only one that 
probably will be a loss, but they definitely could win with it being at Camp Randall. But yeah, this should be a, a great start to the Luke Fickle era in Wisconsin. All righty. So we're going to have Wisconsin versus Michigan in the Big Ten title game. Um, go back and listen to our uh, uh, overall predictions through college football. We talked about how that shakes out. So let's uh, rattle off three quick questions for you boys. Give me coach of the year. Um, give me your either offensive or defensive player of the year, or you can do both. Um, and if you have any sort of like hot take or surprising pick here, um, we'll start off with coach of the year. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll kick us off here with this. Um, I think the safest bet is to go Harbaugh, you know, with how I, I have Michigan season playing out. I, they're my early season prediction to be national champion. Um, I, I think it would be crazy for them, for him not to end up winning that award. Um, I think I think Luke Fickle can absolutely be up there. I think if if Matt Rule and Nebraska end up pulling off nine wins um, or something like that, I think Matt Rule could absolutely be up there too. Um, but I think to me, it's Harbaugh's pretty much locked down um, unless they get annihilated by Ohio State and like Ryan Day, um, James Franklin could also kind of compete for that uh, there as well. Uh, Mitch, how about you, Coach of the Year? Yeah, I'm gonna agree with you, Jim Harbaugh. Um... You know, obviously, if Luke Fickle takes the Wisconsin to the Big Ten championship, I think there could be consideration. But with the season that we're expecting uh, from Michigan, you know, to win the Big Ten and make it to the playoffs, uh, it's going to be his hands down. Better. If Nebraska wins eight games, it's Mount Rules. <laughs> but I think that I know. I mean, seriously, I think that if I mean the safe bet is Jim, is Jim Harbaugh. Um, Luke Fickle probably up there too. If 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 they go twelve and zero, I think it's Luke Fickle's. Like if it's twelve and zero and twelve and zero going into, um, the game. game, yeah, because those those awards are awarded before the game. Like let's Correct. let's remember. So I think it's I think it goes to Fickle, but I honestly think if Nebraska gets eight and four, I think I honestly think the safe choice is actually Matt Rule. I don't think it's Harbaugh or, um. Uh, Luke Fickle, because I mean he's doing something at Nebraska that hasn't been done in six years, um, so almost seven now. Makes him feel really old. I was a junior in high school the last time Nebraska went to a bowl game. Um, but yeah, no, I'll I'll go with I'll go with Matt Rule. Um, so uh, uh, I think defense. Uh, you boys can choose if you want to give me offense or defense or both. Um, I've already. Sort of hinted at my defensive player. I think it. I think maybe John Meta actually has a very good shot at it. If the statistics follow what I think that they're going to follow, I think he has a very good shot at it. I think he can tick all the boards uh, or all the boxes to get statistics everywhere, whether it's tackles, sacks, um, interceptions, forced fumbles, whatever it might be. I just I love watching the kid play. If I had to go offensive side of the ball, it's it's pretty simple to me that it's Marvin Harrison Jr. If he ends up playing the whole season. Um, if I had to go with like a little bit of an underdog or sleeper pick, I'll take the Purdue halfback Devin Mockaby, baby, uh, or Devin Hockaby. I'd love to see this kid uh, win, win, uh, be like first team All Big Ten. I think he absolutely has the opportunity to do it. Um, if if Purdue ends up having to run the ball a lot, but you know, again, whether it's whether it's um, Singleton out of Penn State or either of the Michigan halfbacks or wh- whoever it is, there's lots of guys up there. Safest bet to me is going to be Marvin Harrison Jr., but I think there's a lot of guys who can definitely compete for that offensive player here. Uh, Mitch, what uh, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I'm in agreement with you. I think Marvin Marvin Harrison's hands down favorite for offensive defensive. I think it'll be Mame 
John Mena, but uh, two guys that I could definitely see being in contention with him all year is Cooper G from Iowa and then Jerzon Newton from Illinois. Um, yeah, defense, offense, I'm going to stick with my Heisman's winner, Blake Gorham at Michigan. Um, again, best player in college football last year if he doesn't get injured. Um, and then defense, I'll agree with, with Mitch. I'll go with Jujan Newton out of Illinois. He's probably have the best, in, Illinois probably has the best interior defensive line in the Big Ten. Um, and Jujan Newton's a big part of that. So, um, uh, uh any sort of sleeper pick, big pick, major prediction, uh, I don't know where left field prediction that either of you guys have. Um, if I had to pick one, it's that uh, the Big Ten West sends five teams to a bowl game. Um, you know, uh, Wisconsin, Iowa, Minnesota, Nebraska, and um, Illinois, I think all five of them end up making uh, a bowl game. Um, while I think in the East, four teams at best end up making a bowl game. Um, and I'll take it a step further, and I'll actually say that all five of those teams win their bowl game as well. Um. Brian Ferentz is fired before the end of the season. Well, hopefully. I mean, it's it's one of those things where it's so. like, if it's going to be before the end of the season, you're like, man, that's going to make Thanksgiving really awkward. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they um, can. I think they can fire him before the end of the season. Nebraska fired their defensive coordinator before the end of the season. Yeah, but Brian Ferentz got his contract and work, and he has to meet like, certain, like, well, uh, you know, this many yards passing, this many yards rushing. Yeah, so. but let's say we'll, let's say they're not meeting those standards. Like, yeah. let's say by like week week eight or nine, he's not meeting those numbers, which I don't think he will be. Like, especially points per game. Yeah, like, yeah, because it, it, and I was saying, if they if they allow the defense to contribute to that points per game, then that's just bad. <laughs> that shouldn't count. <laughs> Technicality to save a song. <laughs> <laughs> Mitch, you got a big prediction? Yeah, Skyler's gonna love this one. Um, my Big Ten uh, freshman of the year will be Malachi Coleman. I think the dude's really talented. Uh, I think the guys ahead of him in the depth chart right now, they uh, would not surprise me if he uh, usurps them uh, sooner than later. And Jeff Sins is a very talented uh, quarterback, so. I feel like that connection could uh, rack up a lot of yards from Malachi Coleman in this freshman year. Um, and I feel like he's, you know, one of the better freshmen coming into the Big Ten this year. So I think he's going to be winning this year. My, my only response to that is that Matt Rule says he doesn't expect freshmen to play a lot at wide receiver. So mm -hmm. between Marcus Washington, Isaiah Garcia, Counts, I can't remember the second part of his last name. And um, Billy Kemp. Um, those are three. I mean, I don't think they're going to be running more than probably eleven personnel. Probably they're not. They're not taking out that tight end. And Nebraska's playing with a fullback now. Um, the fullback back in Lincoln, Nebraska, ladies and gentlemen. Um, that's my only. I mean, I'd love it. I'd love it if he was a Big Ten freshman of the year. But mm -hmm. just caution. Uh, put some caution on that take. It's going to be crazy when all three go down with injury. I mean, one's over injured. Sorry, happening. So that is our Big Ten episode. Um, we're so excited. Big Ten season kicks off literally one week from now. Um, uh, not necessarily from the time of posting, but 
um, one week from now as uh, Nebraska will take on Minnesota to kick that season off. So we appreciate you guys for tuning in. Let us know what your thoughts are on the upcoming Big Ten season. Email us, fourthstringspgmail.com. That is F-O-U-R-T-H string, spgmail.com. And uh, have a fantastic night, everybody.